Hey everyone and welcome back to the Class 1A episode where today we're not only going deep into episode 10 of My Hero Academia 6, but we're going deep, deep, deep into the mind of All for One and One for All as a majority of this episode does play, take place in the Vestage Chain where we get a ton of lore drop that we'll be talking about very much in depth later on the episode. But before we do do that, my name is James Graham. I have James Graham and Dylan Beal with me today to dive into everything. And we are what? Yeah, like I said, episode 10. We are almost halfway through the season already. And things still have not got to their peak, it feels like. Uh, Machia is almost there. Are we still feeling the heat? I mean, do we think episode 13 is going to be the banger? Or do you think it's going to take a little bit longer before we hit the peak of this arc? I think we're still waiting for the peak, but... Ooh, there was some lore. We're getting some lore. I'm loving it. Yeah, it was a it was a big lore drop video, which is good or episode, but it, like it is good. Like it's very good that we had this because it has been just nonstop the entire way through. Yeah, and it's always a, I always love these kind of episodes, especially about quirk lore, because we always go back every other episode. Like one episode, I said, "Hey, Horikoshi doesn't want to explain anything, so he doesn't have to explain everything." And the next episode, he'll spend 15 minutes talking about how quirks can have consciences, how everything we've known about taking quirks away from all for one is not really a thing anymore. So it's always super interesting. But we'll talk about the specifics of that right after I do a very quick high level recap of what is happening. So we do see that the Shigaraki kind of all for one fusion after being burned to a crisp last time is still moving and starting to heal. We see the hair coming back in. And Deku's kind of taking his rage to a next level after seeing Baku go kind of go. He's trying to see Black Whip make like a mask around his face. And we do actually hear of the Black Whip's user saying that you need to be careful. You need to control your emotions because the quirks will react to your anger. But Deku still goes in and his attacks and Shigaraki actually touches Deku and begins to take the quirk. At that moment, we do go inside of the vestige state where Deku still isn't really able to talk or move. And we see Shigaraki fused with all for one kind of coming out of his right arm, kind of on the other side of the battlefield, um, where all for one and Shigaraki are kind of talking about this fusion. All for one is talking about his power and it being lent and eventually kind of leads to Nanashimura and the original user of all for one for all kind of coming in and we start learning that because of how the quirk works, it can't just be taken like any other ones, that it has a conscious, that it has the ability to fight back with how much stronger this one is. It's not going to be simply possible to take on a whim, but we still see that all for one is incredibly powerful and is almost able to take it. Kind of moving outside of the vestige state, we see that Machi is still on the way. All the League of Villains are going there and things are kind of getting ready. Villains are moving around trying to come up with a plan for Machia, but it still doesn't look like anything's really going to be able to done there. And he's only 10 minutes away from reaching Shigaraki. Something really interesting here is that Machia does say that he smells two masters. So clearly all for one is really actually coming to becoming a reality. Outside of that, very last thing is that Toga jumps off to go after Sue and Uraraka, where they do corner her into a house and are kind of starting to fight. Toga wants to understand what it means to be a hero, what or uh, Ochako wants to do to her. And it's just kind of up in the air. I think that'll be something that we'll probably see the conclusion to next episode. But again, as we talked at the beginning of the episode, I want to stop talking. What do you guys take out of all the lore we got in the vested shape? That was the majority of the episode. We have a couple of talking points, whatever you guys want to lead with. I'm just curious of what do you find most interesting in that whole conversation and scene? Yeah, I think Quirk still having remnants of whoever was inside of it is really interesting. So we kind of already got that right with, with, um, 
one for all of where our original thinking was because they're able to capture the quirk and it's a stockpiling quirk that like um, amplifies power over time. That's why we're able to see the vestiges as like basically remnants or ghosts of like the former users. And so it's interesting that AFO also has the same thing, except the way that he interacts with his vestiges is completely different, right? We see him like pushing away kind of like, uh, like, like literal ghosts that are haunting him and he's just pushing it away. So it's interesting that they both are having this type of relationship with their vestiges, just in completely different lenses. Yeah, and I think it really shows the, the, the like the real like the two sides of the spectrums between the, the you know the the main villain and the main the main hero of the of the setting, right? I think they do a really good job of really displaying that, especially with how each one kind of interprets the 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 remnants of the other quirks. Um, I do I do think it speaks slightly uh, like a bit to uh, one for all for one. Sorry, um, with just how evil of a dude is where he like has these quirk like remnants always haunting him always there with him and he seems to really thrive in it too which i think is crazy now what what i think is interesting though is that it, this opens up a weird philosophical like question then of like are these the same people because they're not they are but then they're not right because we know that all might has a vestige that's in deku but All Might's still alive. He just doesn't have his quirk. And so he's able to like be a vestige without actually being dead. So what what does that mean? Like, what are these things? Are they just like basically like imprints of what these people were, just like in a different form? Yeah, because are they like the preserved state of what that person was at that time, sort of thing? Or like because like are they capable of like growth? And like, because I mean, really, all we've really seen is more like guidance and pre-existing ideas that the the quirks have had and mm-hmm. or like the people that had the quirks had sorry um so i'm curious whether or not like these these characters can like you know still grow in these weird like ghostly states or if you are really just getting kind of like a um like a like a time stamp of that person and what they were at that point you know yeah but like it what what do, what does it mean to grow because like it, yeah, that's also they, true yeah because because like in, in essence they're growing because they learned who deku was they're giving him advice about the current situation right so like it is a di- they're, they're dynamic to some degree they can retain some sort of memories so it's like this weird like splitting off of like almost like a clone like it's almost like they cloned them within his own mind right and I think the really big thing is too that really throws this whole thing for a loop is that All Might still has a vestige while still being alive. I think exactly it would be, it would be a totally different discussion if that wasn't the case. But where there's two of them exist, mind you, the, the the vestige state of him we haven't seen really any interaction. Yeah, so, and it hasn't formed really fully, and it hasn't talked at all. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's present, but that's it, right? Like so. Yeah. So Deku has more of a presence in the Vestige state than All Might does at that point. Which again, not really sure why <laughs> any of that's a thing, but that's kind of where it's at right now. But like the, the the question then is is like what what are the implications about this? Like why is this information important? Does does this mean that we can have like certain characters like regrown from their quirks? Like I'm thinking of like Kurogiri right now, right? Of like, he's he's in, if his quirk is still in there, then that means there is some sort of his essence still there, right? Like, is is that the key to unlocking Nomus, right? Like, is is that what this breadcrumb they're trying to give us means? Oh, that's just like that's that's Pandora's box right there, though, because if you start like like for example with 
one for all where you extract those previous quirks from like i guess the the current holder and put it into a nomu now of course like not one that's like twisted and malformed and everything like that but you can like essentially like resurrect somebody because they because the quirk preserves a part of their Mm -hmm. consciousness like or constant yeah so that (laughs) yeah (laughs) i I think that's a bit of a reach i'm generally on board with your far stretching idea i feel like that's a bit more of a reach than normal i mean i think what we kind of came up with is a stamp of personality and a person who's made much more of than just a personality so i don't know just saying like oh this person is able to talk and kind of share and develop new thoughts that they had when they're living would be enough to clone someone but why are we getting this information though because like we have to get it for some reason because the explanation before was just oh well all for one and one for all they just kind of yeah they could just take the essence like like that like the the continued battle of good versus like good versus evil kind of giving a reason of Deku should not win this fight right now. Deku should lose his quirk in this fight, but there had to be the reason for him not to lose his quirk this fight. And also just to kind of show the weirdness going inside of Shigaraki, I think that control that's kind of happening for all for one. And, and also just like, Oh no, Shigaraki and Deku are basically in the same exact spot that all for one and one for all were 50 years ago when this became a thing. I think it's kind of shown that this has been a generational thing. Um, and I think a little bit is that they're kind of mentors for Deku as well. We can see that the Black Whip holder was able to give Deku advice in the moment that these people could actually train him to become better rather than having to be physical trainers as well. I have I have one final final thing. I still think my point's gonna be right. We'll we'll see in the future though. But I also think here's another prediction. The the final fight is gonna happen here in the Vestas State. Uh, because of that line of where you said you can't move in here yet. That's it. It has to happen here, right? Yeah. That single line means it, this is where the final fight has to happen. There has to be a battle of minds in the vestige state. I, I hope, I don't, like, no. I hope not. I hope not. Not feeling it. Clip, clip, I mean, clip maybe after, <laughs> maybe after like six episodes of an incredible fight, like, and then oh, they oh, do yeah, like yeah, a yeah, little yeah. moment uh, yeah. here. Oh, okay, the, all right. The, yeah, part yeah, of the yeah, fight yeah. will be in there for sure. Yeah, it will be yes, important to the a final doubt. fight. I mean, every I think every single time from here on out, when these two clash, there is going to be a state moment. I mean, I think it's very clear that it is a connected round between the two of them. Um, that it is very clearly has a big impact on the past and kind of the future of it all. So I think that's a given, but I don't think we'll ever actually see Deku throwing many punches in the vestige round. I, I, yeah. We'll see. The final smash. The I final know, it's good. Is the vestige smash? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 one, I, one, not gripe, but one thing I do want us to kind of be aware of, I guess, moving forward is how much this gets used, how much this state gets used, and how much it, like, kind of separates from the, the reality of the rest of the universe. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be curious to see how much time they have Deku spending in it going forward because like I, I it's one of those things that where it's 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 a really cool idea and it's really interesting and it is obviously a connection between the two of them i also don't want them beating it to death that's the other thing that i'm a, like a little worried about when they start in like adding these things in i think it could turn into a hyperbolic time chamber really easily that's yeah and right like i mean were those they do have their place like i hate to say it though 
it's a trope at this point though you know what i mean like it's 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 a meme like for that reason so i'm really hoping it doesn't get to that point because then it's just like my hero does a really good job of breaking some of the typical shonen like bonds kind of thing and i'm I'm really hoping they don't circle back to that we could have like a really sick like battle like that's deck is battle meditation right before you fight as he like goes talks with the vestiges chills a little bit slaps five and then (laughs) then goes on out yeah Yeah. (laughs) i just hope they find a way for that to happen without having to go in there like even like you kind of do like the old like kind of jedi jedi like hologram kind of thing of like deku's off training by himself and he's able to kind of like see the vestiges in the world kind of like training him because i do like that they have so many unique personalities in here that i don't want to be forced to go into the vestige state every time we have to interact with them like nana shimura um black whip but we obviously have five more to learn about like i don't want to have to go sit in a black room with these shadowy people every single time we have to learn about them if we could find a way to bring that to the real world without kind of making sense of it being more of like a mind thing i think that could be cool and then um we still get to learn about these characters because i want to know more about black whip but i feel like as we move on to the next work we're not going to see much more of him so yeah that's the one thing i kind of worry about that cool characters might not get used enough if it's all in vestige day um the last thing here that we haven't touched on too much do we think shigaraki is still going to be shigaraki in the long run like it did very clearly that all for one's a very big part of him he was kind of able to take over his full body for a moment last episode. Um, and like that was the only reason he was arrived. Clearly, there's more power not being given to Shigaraki now. He like uh, split his face open this episode too. Like and like, like metaphorically. <laughs> metaphorically. I think it was metaphorically. So <laughs> but like, yeah, it's I, I don't know. I feel like I feel like Shigaraki has such a stranglehold on his own body and that like self of like that, that idea of like this is my power, like, I'm using it for myself, that I don't think he's going to let it happen, or that, like, if if, if, the, if the struggle does come out with All for One coming out on top, it's going to be a long, drawn-out thing. This is going to be, like, a war of attrition more than anything. I think there's only, like, two paths this can go. Like, either, like, the, the, the one path is, like, Shigaraki comes around and like fights against AFO and it's like oh I'm uh, I realize that you're actually bad AFO it's either that or we have a really badass moment of where Shigaraki like defeats AFO and goes like no this is my power I'm the real like demon king or whatever like I think that's the only two ways it could really end because like um we we had that really sick moment last season right of where his voice changes and he like really comes into his own and this is why he's able to take over the entire uh, paranormal liberation front is because like he is this like has this like news uh like a uh, sense of self and i think we might get another one of those moments of where he does the same thing but to afo i mean like this is mine like your 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 thing of the past like i, I could i could just see it already like he's in that vestige state and he just like puts his hand on like the vestige of afo and it just like decays and crumbles and he gains the full power like i can see that or I could totally see the opposite of like, he's a big bad evil guy, right? Of where he's just like, no, I am super, super bad. And then Shigaraki's like, hey, maybe destroying the entire world isn't a morally good thing to do. Maybe I shouldn't do that. I think um, Shigaraki's a little past that point. He just took yeah. out an entire civilization, a city. It's it's Twice. one of those two. It's definitely one of those two, though. I, I would really like to see him kill AFO, though. That'd be sick. 
But I think killing him for his own gain, not yes, yeah, yeah, for his own gain. Yeah, yeah, I like, yeah, because like the whole, I think, I yeah, I kind of agree with Andrew that I think, I think Shiggy's way too far gone to have a redemption arc. As far in like, you know, like just to like come around to like heroes and be like, you know what, Heroes Society, not that bad. Maybe I'll join it. You know what I mean? Like, I I, like, I think it would be a real, real out of left field one eighty if if they did do that. Yeah, Yeah, I, I think. I, I, I just want to wrap up this like final thought about Shigaraki, but I, I think he's going to be the tragic villain, right? Of like, he's tragic because this was the only path for him, right? Mm-hmm. Like he, since he was a kid, he was essentially like, um, he was essentially groomed to be like this big evil monster by, by um, AFO. Like he had no other options here. And I think that's what they're going to lean into. Now, yeah. what, what were you thinking, Andrew? No, yeah. I mean, I was just kind of coming back to the point that I, I, I do agree. I do think, we already kind of seen some of the tragic. I do agree that he'll probably come back to fight, but I do think that means he will lose control at some point, um, and kind of have that fight back. Of it's kind of a, the vestige. Day, we see a lot of stuff in the mind. Um, you can even see in this episode that if AFO really wanted to take control of his body right now, he could. I mean, he looked like he was choking Shigaraki almost in the vestige. Um, when he kind of grew larger, his mouth ended up covered and stuff, kind of like that. So, I do agree that I think Shigaraki turns on him eventually. Um. I just hope it's done well because I think we've both we've both had our issues with all for one. We've both all had our issues with Shigaraki. So kind of this going back and forth between both of them. Hopefully we get the best parts, the good parts that we've seen recently. But I can see a situation of where it's not really done right. It's not clear who's who. Like you don't really end up feeling bad for anyone involved. So I just hope they pull it off because I think it'd be very cool to kind of have two villains and one for a while until there's this big climatic moment. And one of them comes out and like, oh shit, whoever wins this is more pissed off, more strong than ever. And now this is like the final boss battle. I'm the most pissed off here. I win the day. Pretty much. I mean, I, that, I mean, Shigaraki is just running off of Spite. He has nothing else in him besides Spite. Um, and, and, I, and I do respect that almost. Um, oh, moving on to the kind of the other little episode uh, moment that we want to talk about. Obviously, Dobby stuff's going on. Obviously, we need to see if wrap up on Baka go. Obviously, we need to see a wire wrap up Machia. But a good thing that got screen time here was Toga. Um, and I think a lot of this was kind of the more philosophical stuff. Obviously, she did actually confront Ochako. She is actually about to stab Ochako. But I think a lot of this was coming more from the philosophical question of what does it mean to be a hero? Do you guys kind of like this questioning? Do you like that Toga is kind of the one that's driving home this message and asking these questions or what do you think about where that could go as a whole since it's probably gonna be wrapped up next episode i i think i think she's the right person to do it because i think her and twice are like these um not and actually not only just them but a lot of the 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 league of villains have this this kind of like running story of like they're villains but they're kind of villains because of society like, like they, they really play into that, like, it really was society who has wronged them and kind of pushed them towards being villains. Now, obviously, they have a lot more agency than, like, probably Shigaraki, who was, like, really brought up to be like this. But, like, they were all pushed that way, right? Like, of uh, Toka not really having an understanding of her quirk, and she's different in school, and that led to some bad things, and then she found herself into League of Villains or twice for the same reason. Like, I, I feel like I feel like their their problems are very good allegories for, like, um, you know, being troubled as a kid and not having the right resources to bring you back to that path. And I think they're the right people to do this. 
Um, it feels like they're the closest to that type of message. So I'm, I, I like that they have it. I, I think it's good because like, why, why would they trust in the heroes if society failed them? Right. Yeah. And I think, I think especially for, especially for Toga where like most of those like, um, uh, positions of power in her life for a lot of them were like very, like they were cruel to her. They, you know, they treated her poorly and stuff like that. Like, yeah, like uh, the obvious distrust is uh, like, you know, it makes sense. Right. So I, I think it is a combination of I think they're the best ones for the job to like kind of tell that, that that side of the story. But also, I don't think there's really anybody who's written uh, more appropriately in, within like the villain sort of thing. Like Spinner, Mr. Compress, they're not really I don't think they're really the mediums for that. I mean, Mr. Compress, I think really I don't think we really know much about his like his origin, his backstory. He's always just kind of been there and he's, you know, yeah, he just does the little tricks. He's a little trick got a robot arm, like it's it's cool that way. But and then Spinner obviously is very much the, the you know the the former ideology of Stain, right? That's always been the big thing. And then it, obviously it's not Dobby, <laughs> you know, like it's it, it's just not going to be Dobby. Um, so yeah, I think I think she is probably the best one to kind of give give this angle, right? I think, and I think it's good that she's. I think this is a very appropriate time, especially with like twice just dying. That this is where this really, really needs to, this this conversation needs to happen. Yeah, and it was a conversation that was started between twice and uh, Hawks. So I do yeah. like that both these characters are kind of having the same thoughts. Obviously, they're very, very close, but we kind of had that question, and we saw Hawk kind of struggle with it for a second here too. Now, kind of seeing what Ochako's response is going to be. Um, kind of on the flip side of someone that we see much more grounded, much more caring, typically than Hawks, who's willing to do anything. Ochako really said, I want to save everyone. I want to do as much as possible. Kind of that Deku mindset. So it'd be interesting to see kind of where that conversation uh, goes between these two. And yeah, I'm just happy to get more screen time. I think it was a character we all loved early on, and I'm happy to see her on uh, screen more. I really like the phrase Deku mindset, though. Yeah, it <laughs> It is. I that that is probably something I'll use for every anime going forward. Um, here I even though it's like just a very common shonen trope. Um, Much better right. uh, Sigma mindset. With that, let's move into our plus ultra award for the episode and wrap it up. J- Dylan, who do you believe went plus ultra went beyond in this episode? Um, I think this is really tough. Um, but I'm going to have to give it uh to the original, original Demon King. It's 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 AFO. It has to be AFO. I mean, he's the only one who did anything like above and beyond in this episode. And that above and beyond being somehow uh, he's like in prison. But like because part of his quirk is in Shigaraki, he's exerting control over him. Like that's huge. That's that that is insane. Like that amount of like if it is the case that this is just an imprint of himself onto like Shigaraki, just the imprint alone is able to like control another person. Um, that's wild. I think yeah. I think that's plus ultra. That's evil plus ultra right there. I want to go and follow up on that because I had mind it's going to be AFO as well. And the thing is, it's not just an imprint. He even said, you would have died if I didn't give you some of my power. So this imprint has control over the power that Shigaraki is able to use. I mean, it's not even his own body. His he, There's still a second of him somewhere else. So in theory, there are two AFOs this episode that have control over the same exact quirk. That's nutty, and that's going to be bad. James, yeah, I was actually, I was actually going to say all for one, like as like the the, the vested like the like the power kind of as a whole. 
just because it's really the only thing that bails Deku out here. The like because him in his current state without the intervention of the previous vestiges, our boy would be murked. You know what I mean? Like like for the reasons you guys kind of listed. Like one for all for one is just way too powerful for really Deku to do anything about. And it's really and the other thing is too is like he's still alive, right? Like he's still alive. These are these are like people who have long been dead marked by this guy and they're the ones who came came in and bailed him out so i think the power as a whole i think that's what i want to give it to but i absolutely see your guys aside for sure yeah that's true i mean otherwise the series would have been over today without the messages <laughs> the series ended i guess they have one more week of where deku dies next week and everyone and the world gets taken over that's by that's uh, <laughs> but uh, that'll be it for this week's episode obviously if you guys did not see the preview very big, exciting episode coming up that a lot of people are looking forward to. Sounds like we're finally going to figure out what Dobby is up to. So we will be back for episode 11 next week and walk through everything that happened there. Thank you so much for listening and watching, and we'll see you all then.